welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. Today, Helen has the lovely opportunity of talking with Veet Karen. Veet is the creator, owner, and inspiration for Veet's Vegan Cooking School in Mullumbimby in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales, Australia. And we are really looking forward to hearing all about her creative cooking adventures. Hi, Veet. Hi, how are you? I'm really well, and it's lovely to talk with you. One of the things that really um, inspires me or, or makes me feel like I kind of already know you just a little bit is that in your journey, you well, let me go back a, um, a moment. You became vegetarian when you were sweet 16. Yeah. And started your catering business in about 2008. So you were a teacher in between you know, sweet 16 and the end of school and, and you had a whole career as a teacher, started your catering business in 2008 and began a cooking school in 2010 and started an official vegan chef course in 2014. Yes, that's right. So that in itself is a really interesting story. But one thing I really love about your story is that when you were 16, your mum said, you can be vegetarian, but you have to know how to be a healthy vegetarian and it started you I guess on a a life journey of of knowing how to balance your foods and stay healthy all along the way and that really rings true with me because when I became vegetarian um, I could see a lot of people were living a vegetarian lifestyle on packet food and it really didn't have healthy consequences or healthy outcomes rather and um, so I think we share the interest in um, eating lots of healthy green leaves and vegetables and fruits, diet without any preservatives and where possible as much as, um, you know, viable to be organic in our choice of fruits and vegetables and leafy greens. So I'm really thrilled to share this conversation with someone who shares so many interests with me. Thank you, Veet. Yes, you're welcome. It's lovely also that you share the same interests. So I just thought maybe... Because you're a, you know, you have such an incredible wealth of knowledge about how to prepare vegan and vegetarian meals, that maybe you'd have lots of great tips about how to cook creatively, um, how to open the fridge and and think, well, I've got a lot of these things. What could I make today instead of maybe being really structured about things? Um, anyway, I'll I'll hand it over to you. How can we add more healthy foods and, and be creative in our cooking at the moment? Okay, yes, great. So I guess at, at the moment, um, some of you are probably going to the shop so often and you probably have so much in your pantries and fridge that you can use. And if you, um, just yesterday, I um, decided that I, I just found a small packet of green rice. I don't know if you um, have used green rice. It's a beautiful rice. It's great. Uh, it can work in risotto um, and it's also small, so it's a little bit more difficult to cook so I had had that I don't know when I bought it it might have been six months ago to be honest 
So I um, also, you know, I've got quite a few cookbooks and you don't have to have cookbooks because you can, um, you know, get recipes offline now. But I, I bought a new cookbook recently that I wanted to use and I knew that there was a rice dish in there and I thought, oh, I could use up this green rice in that dish. So I went looking for the book and lo and behold, I couldn't find the book. So mm-hmm. I, and it was a book um, by Hetty McKinnon. It's a new book. It's her new book. And um, so I knew I had another one of hers. So I grabbed that out and there was no rice dish in that book. But I came across a millet um, dish with um, roast broccoli and rocket and it had a basil dressing. So I thought, okay, I don't, I'm not going to use millet. I was still quite keen on using up this green rice because I'm really trying to use up everything I've got at the moment. So I went with that and I looked in the fridge and actually I knew what was in my fridge. There was no broccoli and there was no (laughs) rocket. (laughs) So basically the only ingredients I had was the basil, the lemon juice and the olive oil. And I was still, you know, this is what I teach in the, the training and the courses I run, that you can get an idea, you can get inspiration from cookbooks or online. And even if you've got none of the ingredients, you can still make it work. Because it's the idea that you're getting from those recipes that that bring you forward, um, and it gets easier and easier as you go along. So I had, what did I have? Oh, I had zucchini. So I, and in my fridge, and I had some spinach leaves. So I knew it was going to work. So I grated the zucchini, and then I thought I want because it was roast broccoli. I want a roast flavor so and I wasn't going to put the oven on because this was for my lunch yesterday and this I got all this together in 15 minutes so I went and I knew I had a red capsicum so I just chopped that up and fried that up and it gave the roast flavor the roast like you would if you were roasting the broccoli and it was absolutely delicious so you can I I really encourage you to get you know, some, you might have an idea of a recipe, but then not be disheartened if you haven't got those ingredients in your fridge and use what you've got to make it work. And then you're creating your own submitted dish. I don't know if that, I, I just really feel that that is a really good way of doing it. And I learned this from my grandmother when I was 13. We sat down together to eat, just the two of us, and she had this beautiful dish. And it, I said, um, Mama, that's what we called her. What, what, where did you get this idea from? And she said, well, I had a can of mushroom soup and I had some rice in my cupboard and I didn't have much else except the green veggies she had. And then I just thought I'll put those together and it will be delicious and it was. So it is, yeah, so I've learned that from then and I think that if we look to our elders, they do have some great ideas and I think that that is one that works. And I also, so far in my three-day courses, I've had uh, two hundred and 18 people come through and they all get this way because we go we go to the market and we have a recipe and then mostly at the market there's none of the ingredients and we still make it work and they've come to realize that this is a really creative way that you can get to from whatever you've got in your fridge hope that answers your question yeah i've i've found that the actually i found going to a vegetarian lifestyle in the initial change all those years back for me, or not not um, that many really, but um, I found that I suddenly was open to a whole range of foods I'd never eaten before 
and um, learning how to how to integrate those foods and flavors and cook them was really interesting. Yeah, and yeah. and the other thing that I find now that I've I guess converted um, <laughs> is that when I go to the farmers markets, you know, you're naturally automatically buying what's in season because that's all that's there. So I have to, you know, for a set number of weeks, cauliflower might be in and I love cauliflower. So then you sort of get creative cooking with cauliflower and then it goes out and something else comes in. And so then you get creative with cooking with that. So I find that the farmer's markets kind of forces my hand at creativity just a little bit. Yes, that's right. I think also what happens for people is they'll they'll go to the farmer's markets and it's awesome because you know you're getting things that are in season and they'll go and buy you know, they'll see things and they'll just buy it, buy them and then they'll come home and go, well, what am I going to do with that? And then say, let's use cauliflower as an example, and then they can't find any cauliflower recipes that inspire them. But they might find another recipe that inspires them that doesn't have cauliflower in. The cauliflower could work in that recipe. It's like just really thinking differently. Yeah, and, and just, and the more you do it, the more you get a sense for food. And, and right now, and hopefully we will always have a bit more time around cooking, you can really sit and feel what, what your body actually wants to eat, not what, not what your mind, what your body wants to eat. And with that, creativity comes. So we do um, just an exercise of sitting down, really grounding and really deep, breathing deep into your belly and um letting it become big and round and soft and then really feeling what the body wants. And it might take 10 minutes before it comes. And so then that then you can work with what you've also bought from the farmer's market to work out what you're going to cook rather being, than being fixed on a particular recipe. Thank you for the mini meditation. You made me stop straight and breathe deeper just now. Um, it works, it, especially it if I don't know what to eat. It works. It's just—it's not my meditation. It's a meditation borrowed, and it's a beautiful meditation for really listening to to, to the health of your body and what it needs to eat. I have a girlfriend uh, who was um, sneaking more vegetables into her family's diet with um, other family members who weren't yet ready to be vegetarian. She kept substituting chicken or cauliflower for chicken. (laughs) (laughs) It worked really well. Oh, that's fabulous, isn't it? That's a a great point because, of course, you can substitute. But if you are transitioning to a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, the thing that my mum was quite concerned about and it was where was I going to get my protein because she was – my mum was a very good cook. She still is a very good cook. But when I was growing up, she was. And she, we had an abundance of vegetables in our diet already. So we, we loved vegetables. There wasn't a vegetable that we didn't like. But she was concerned what I was going to do for protein. And so mm-hmm. I actually went to the library. So for people who are younger than me, maybe, you know, I couldn't look up on the internet then. So I went to the library and looked up what vegetarian process um, protein there was and I actually uh, since you know so I followed that so I always made sure I ha- I checked that I had enough protein in my meals and why I say this now is when you have been vegan or vegetarian for a long time you might not need to keep such a big check on that because we get enough protein from our diet but initially if you've been used to having protein sources 
you need to make sure that you're uh, to stay full. You need to make sure that you substitute, that you make sure you've got. I, I even say complete protein. I know there's two schools of thought on this in the vegan um, movement, but I actually still still make sure that I've got complete protein in most of my meals. So can you give us a, um, you know, for any listeners who might be thinking about transitioning over or, you know, just beginning their research, have you got a few little tips or pointers or just a, like a three-point kind of checklist for them to help them get started or...? Yeah, and on in everything, or on do you, or do you want me to talk the, a bit about protein, or yeah, just a yeah. Qu- quick little yeah. um, guidance in the right direction in regards yeah. to protein. Okay, so where I uh, up until recently, I was catering on a lot of uh, yoga retreats, and a lot of the people were coming, and they were big meat eaters, and I wanted to make sure that they did not feel that they were missing out on anything in mm-hmm. the retreat. So they w- would come along, and they would love the food, and they were full. And I really attribute that to, to making sure that in every meal I had the complete protein. In a vegan diet, things that already have complete protein are hemp seeds, quinoa, buckwheat, pepitas, and soy. Um, and I know a lot of people don't want to eat soy. You don't have to rely on that. But, um, you know, you have to work that out yourself. So they are complete in themselves. They have all the 11 essential amino acids that our body can't reproduce. But there are, if I, I also, start, when I found that information, I was like, well, this isn't, you know, this doesn't quite sit right because I'm getting enough. I knew I was getting enough protein and I was full. So I looked at my diet and I eat a lot of foods that are traditional foods. So, for example, I love to have steamed vegetables and then I love to make dal and rice to go with it and dal and rice together the grain and the legume is a complete protein so I did quite a bit of research and looking what people eat traditionally in countries you know because meat eating wasn't a big thing in the past it's just become more and more popular since 1940 in 1940s and most of the traditional you know what like I looked at different countries they all had foods that comprise a complete protein. So I feel that, you know, our bodies know how to eat when we really listen to it. Mm. And so if when you make a combination of foods, like if you combine grains with legumes or beans, that's a complete protein. So um, I don't know if you, if everyone knows, but peanuts are actually a legume. So people who are having peanut butter on toast for breakfast, they've got their complete protein. And then if you combine... Uh, nuts and grains together. It's a complete protein. Pesto pasta is a complete protein. And then if you combine the other, the beans and legumes with the, the nuts, that's a complete protein. And hummus is a great example of that. So, so for me, that I, I just see that people, I had a lot of friends who became vegetarian through meditation. And then after 20 years of it, they said that they actually were unwell. And the, their doctor said, you've got to go back to eating meat. And I and they felt really uncomfortable about it. And I looked at what they were eating. They'd just taken the meat out of their diet. So sometimes they were just having a salad, you know, which is fantastic. But they were having a salad for lunch and they hadn't put in any, you know, um, hemp seeds or because hemp seeds weren't so weren't around then but mm. they hadn't put in any hemp seeds or toasted sunflower seeds, for example, or they hadn't had any rice they just were uncreative around their cooking and 
yeah, so I, I feel for me, that when you're transitioning, it's great to, to make sure that you've got some of those, you know, complete protein foods or the combination. But I think also not to go overboard because you don't need nuts in everything. You know, you can, like, you can easily look up online how much, how much you need of something. Like yesterday I was looking at immune boosting foods and I know all the immune boosting foods for zinc and vitamin C, that's really good, but selenium is also important. And to get enough selenium in a, in a day, you only need three Brazil nuts. You don't mm. need a big handful of them. So yeah, it's just about, uh, you can, if now we've actually at the moment, we've got a bit of time. We can really look up things, you know, and start forming our own opinions and looking at what we feel. We need it for our body's health. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing those pointers because when I switched over to being vegetarian, um, I didn't have definitely didn't have as clear an idea about it, mixing the grains and, and the legumes so the and the grains. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. As you've just described, that would have really helped. Yeah, um, yeah. But I did learn not to eat too many nuts, yeah. um, not to fall into that trap of um, – those magnificent vegan, you know, treats that are, are made on pureed nuts, essentially. <laughs> yes, as yes, delicious yes. as they are. <laughs> yes. I learned to resist because I, um, I really wanted some space left for leafy greens and fruits and vegetables. That's right. And that have, you know, like going, um, continuing with the nuts, for example, when, yeah, five, when I started my the vegan chef training five years ago, there was, uh, just things started to come in like vegan parmesan. You don't need to go to the shop and buy vegan parmesan. Most of it at the shops isn't going to taste like being a parmesan anyway. But there's a sprinkle that you can make. And so that was with cashews and almonds. And I thought, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want cashews and almonds on my pasta. I just, I feel like I've got enough there anyway. But it is nice to have a sprinkle. So one of my trainees, he, Experimented and toasted up pepitas, which are, uh, you know, seasoned pepitas are a complete protein. And um, he toasted them up and put them with some nutritional yeast and and some salt. And it's delicious. And we have that as a staple in our, we have that uh, as a supply, uh, you know, a stock in our fridge at all times. Because if I ha- want to make a really big salad, I can just put on a couple of tablespoons of that and I've got my complete protein without having to grab hands full of nuts or having a, a you know, a, a Snickers bar made of loads of nuts or something. Not that I'd put that on the salad. <laughs> <laughs> I think too the, the point is we need far less protein in terms of like physical volume than we imagine. That's right, yeah. You know, it's the- not like we need um, a huge big steak volume, you know, like oh, I just still find how I grew up on a beef farm, you know, I just still find if someone mentions protein, the first image that comes to my mind is a plate with a huge big like ribeye fillet or something on it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I would say to when, you know, I would always, the first talk I would do on a yoga retreat when people are coming to eat is like you maybe need to think a bit differently about where the protein is, even if you have, because they had a treat, they had a dessert, even if you eat every component of this meal, there's protein in every component, even the dessert. So it's like all that combining, it works. With the protein, it does depend on how much 
exercise you're doing as well. And like, you know, my brother bodybuilds, so he needs more than I would, for instance. And he's much bigger. (laughs) 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 Like taller. (laughs) He's very tall. (laughs) So um, I didn't know we'd talk so much about protein, but I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Vete. You're welcome. What about um, leafy greens? I just love leafy greens. And whenever anything goes wrong, nothing goes wrong, I suppose. But if (laughs) if I feel discomfort in my body, my first thing to do is always add more leafy greens. Um, I find that, you know, if I've let the leafy greens slip, my digestive system slows down. I feel not as energetic. You know, I just notice that I, I begin to unwind a little bit maybe. Um, and I add more green and I'm off and ready to, to roll again. So what, can you offer any insights into that? Um, yeah, Yes, well, I've always, you know, had leafy greens in my diet, um, like I said earlier, and they have so many different nutrients in them and they're all varied, um, uh, varied nutrients. But I think that, that, you know, for iron, for or calcium, for magnesium, so it's just if you're not used to eating a lot of them, then you maybe just finding the ones that you do like first and adding them in slowly. I, I would do that, but I'm I'm exactly the same as you. I I if I don't have like I go to India when you know every now and again, and I'm just so the first thing I do when I get home is have a big bowl of leafy greens because I miss it so much. It's just so good for every aspect of my health. So. It's just adding more. If though, there, it, you know, the re- research around isn't conclusive because there's because there isn't the money in that. You know, people haven't put money in research. But if you are struggling with iron intake, um, which some people do, and you find found yourself you've been eating lots and lots of kale and or you know uh, spinach, and you think it, it's still not working, you may want to wilt it. You just have to put it in a in a frying pan or a, a pan just for just a few seconds because that maybe a minute is better than a few seconds, but that will get the oxalates off. And it is thought that the oxalates on leafy greens can inhibit the absorption of iron. So I would look look into that. Maybe it, there is only been a little bit of research done around that, so it's not conclusive, but. It's something that some of the people coming through my course have had more success of getting more iron through, through wilting the leafy greens a bit. Oh, I love um, wilted spinach. And, and lately I've been wilting it in sort of big chunks so that it comes out like a... Oh, yum. <laughs> um, I don't know. It sort of, to me, it reminds me of, of when I used to love um, um, salmon. And oh, I, really? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's quite, I don't know, listeners will probably think I'm a little bizarre now, but anyway, I will, t- <laughs> I will steam I steam the, the spinach so that it comes out in, in a big sort of chunk that you can't really pull apart. You know how the leaves wilt kind of together? Yes. And, you, uh, and then I have to cut through it and eat it, oh, a bit like so a piece nice. of meat, but, yes. you know, put a sauce with it and some um, rice or something like that, some other steamed veggies, and I, th- I just think it's delicious. Oh, that's so great. That just reminds me of collard greens. I don't know if you get collard greens wherever yes. you all are, but they they they're um they're an African green and they you know they're very popular in the um south of the United States with the African people who went over there and they they're delicious. Like you, 
If you get them, you just take the stalk off like you would a kale and chop them up as fine as you can and then just pop them in a fry pan. You can use oil, but if you're not into using oil, use a bit of water. Add some garlic if you like and, and some salt. And they're just, they're so delicious. I find them so delicious, but they also have a chewiness, which if you ever, you know, like people say, oh, I, I you know, they, they've given up meat because they, they want to for, for the animals and for their health. And they, um, but they miss chewing something, and that collard greens it will just give, just gives it to them. So it's, um, yeah, I get what you're saying about the spinach and the salmon. Um, we've got a few minutes left, and so I just wondered if you would give us some a few pointers about how to flavor meals. I find I absolutely love garlic and um, chili. So, but I am finding that everything has a garlic and chili flavor, and um, that I'm lacking variety. Right, yes. Yes, and I and I had to cater for a lot of, uh, you know, some retreats that didn't want any garlic or onion and it was, it was fascinating because the flavours come through all the more. It's hard to do, give that to someone who is used to having lots of garlic but I don't cook with garlic for everything and I like to use fresh herbs. Fresh herbs really, really make the dish. And if you find the fresh herbs that you like, like everyone is very different, but they have so many properties. Lots of the herbs have iron, they have vitamin C, they have all sorts of nutrients in them. So fresh herbs is great if you can get them. And spices, different spices. So um, yesterday I made uh, some people are ordering food from me at the moment a uh, Lebanese seven spice uh, mix and it, it was so delicious it just you know made the dish just come alive and so those um, I mean I have that that recipe on my blog but you can find different spice combinations and they just really bring out a, a, a dish yeah and if you want to get the best out of the spices you dry fry them first before grinding them and then that really brings out a, a good flavour You've really hit the nail on the head because I've <laughs> like, late last year I was away for three months and my herby patch, my herb garden, was neglected. I wasn't there to look after it, and right. that's what's missing. You've just thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah I just um, put on my, my blog a Greek lentil soup. Oh, the Greek, Greek food. Well, I like all food, but Greek food and the, the combination of oregano and um, rosemary with bay leaves. It is such a good immune boosting food. And having that in there, and then it's got lemon juice, so that brings out the iron from the um, from the lentils that are in the soup. So, it, and and the flavour without those, like you can go and buy a a stock cube or something, but the flavour is just not as good as using fresh herbs. That's my opinion. <laughs> oh no! Well, we're in agreement. And the thing that I really love about herbs is they're all weeds in a way. You know, they're so tough and yeah. hardy. Yeah, but I bet you if I went out and weeded my herbie patch and gave it some TLC, it would bounce back. Yes, definitely. And then when they go to seed, and then you can use the seed, but they flower. Most of them flower, and all of those flowers are edible. So you can jazz up your salad with those flowers. And the spices too. You know, if you don't have the space to grow herbs, um, spices yes. are wonderful and. Um, I have got out of the habit of using them too, and I had I had to learn so much to to begin using them because I was raised meat and three veggies. Spices weren't a big part of my life 
when I was young learning to cook. So I really had to learn from scratch. And you're right about the dry heating them or dry frying them. Yes, it just adds that extra flavour. But if you think, oh, no, this is just too much, don't do it. It's still fine. You know, they're still amazing without. But if you've got the time to do it, then um, it does bring out an extra element to your dish. And I have a wonderful book at home. I'll um, put it in the notes to this podcast because I can't remember the title and the author just right now. But it is all about how spices have all the, um, have, or just not all the, but um, have so many cancer-fighting um, compounds in them and immune-boosting compounds. And they're just so, you know, that's such a tiny little thing can be so powerful in our, in our diet. Uh, yeah, oh, I would love the, the name of that book because I know, like, I know, for example, fenugreek is really good for heart health. I mean, fenugreek is quite bitter, so you can't have a lot of it. but if you oh, you can sprout fenugreek seeds actually, just that's another <laughs> another thing. But fenugreek, yeah, if you just had a little bit every few days, it's just all going to add up to good health. Yeah, so I I would love to know. I mean, I I look up the spices and find out what the properties of that they are, but I forget. So that book sounds great. I've just looked it up. I've got, I've got the computer here, and it's called Healing Spices. How to Healing. use 50 everyday and exotic spices to boost health and beat disease. It that was sounds. published in 2011 and it's by Bar- Barat B. Agarwal. So it's, his surname is Agarwal, A-G-G-A-R-W-A-L. Fantastic. And also Deborah Yost, Y-O-S-T. It's a fantastic book and very, very well researched every uh, as the title says, it goes through 50 spices. It goes through how to buy them, what to look for to get the highest quality, uh, which part of the world they're growing in, how to cook with them, and what medical research has been done on them in terms of peer-reviewed papers. That's fantastic. Oh, wow, that's a must-buy book. <laughs> yeah, it really is, actually. One of my girlfriends refers to a specific bookshelf in my house as my Google shelf because I will always <laughs> go to that bookshelf before I go to Google. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and his book is definitely one I would not give. I don't even lend it out. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so if you're buying spices, you know, just buy small quantities until you know the ones that you want to use regularly and if you keep them in an airtight, they'll last for a long and away from the sunlight they'll last for a long time so v thank you and we might wrap up here after we've we've gone through the topics of um creative cooking and we got on to protein and now we're into book reviews so perhaps (laughs) we could talk all day um but i've really really appreciated uh having this conversation with you and i hope our listeners do too thank you so much v It's been so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Actually, one thing we haven't let the listeners know is how to get into your, how to access some of the recipes you mentioned. You mentioned one of the ones was in your blog and and I'd like it. So how do I get it, V? Oh, yeah, great. So I I do a weekly blog. I send out a a recipe every week if you sign up and it's on my website, which is, uh, you know, www.veet, which is V-E-E-T-S dot com dot au so you can sign up for that weekly recipe um and i'm also i also have a a facebook page and an instagram page called veeps vegan cooking school so at the moment i'm putting a series of videos on how to sprout 
and how to, you know, sprout mushrooms. And I, I do have a cookbook, but if you're not in a position to buy a cookbook, there's so many recipes on my blog. So you can have a look there and reach out. You can write me an email and I'll answer any questions that you have. Thank you so much, Veet. And we didn't even get into sprouting, but that's such an that's yeah, that's a whole nother powerhouse of a yeah. We might have boosting. Have to have another chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. down the track. Yes. Um, well, again, thank you, Veet, and um, I'll will of course be adding the links to everything um, in the description of the podcast and also on our website. And um, we look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer, for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.